Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This podcast. All right, Fact Check This podcast, and today I wanted to take a look at the Mississippi abortion bill. And I don't actually want to look at the Mississippi abortion bill itself um, for the the long and short of it. It's going to go to the Supreme Court here in December. The Mississippi abortion bill effectively uh, puts a ban on most abortions after 15 weeks, which I'm very much pro-life. I'm not uh opposed to that in any way like that's not that's not something that i necessarily have a problem with the the article that i'm looking at is from business insider uh mississippi banned most abortions to be the safest state for the unborn meanwhile one in three mississippi kids live in poverty so so are you saying that the solution to kids living in poverty is to kill them in the womb like is that is that is that the solution that we've come to it's an interesting article i uh, i do um it starts out by focusing on a very specific case of a single mother who has a decent job but her job is too good for her to qualify for a lot of single mother uh assistance And then it also talks about the number of kids she has, the fact that she's a single mother. Uh, Apparently, she also was in a car accident recently, you know, around the time of this article. Like, it's one of those, like, recently moved to a new house. Like, there's a whole lot going on with this. And while that's tantalizing for, an article, especially in an article where you're trying to display how terrible it is for these people who are living in poverty. I've one of the big things that it hits on is uh, she says, I'm trying to give my children a better life than I had. It's hard because I'm trying to make sure they do the extra stuff they want to do as well as make sure my bills are paid. And if I don't have something I go without and they'll just never know. Like I feel like the people who, read these types of articles and get really worked up about it didn't grow up in like they grew up knowing a level of uh, plenty having like so much that they, they don't understand that this is kind of the norm for the overwhelming majority of people like on the planet 
like not just you know not just in mississippi but like my wife and i have gone through the same thing Uh, i mean we are married and have decent jobs kind of similar situation uh, especially when we were early on in our marriage and we made okay money but nothing great we have three kids that live with us and there were a lot of times that you would make you know value decisions based on okay do we need this or do we want this and like and that's that's life that's what you grow up with uh and like an interesting thing about this article it talks about the amount of uh teen pregnancy and single mothers and stuff like that in the state of mississippi which i lived in mississippi for a number of years um i think and and also having grown up in a very small rural river town the way a lot of the policies for federal and state aid for single mothers in these particular communities and see i'm going to come across bad on this because i'm going to sound like the uh upper middle class white dude who's just super racist and doesn't care about black women but which is could not be further from the truth but nonetheless the problem in these communities is there is sort of an ingrainment to get on the system as early as possible and stay on the system because the way that system works, you can keep free housing. You can keep a free cell phone. You can keep a vehicle. You can keep food on the shelves by gaming the system properly. And people can say that that's a rarity, that that doesn't happen all that often, but I grew up in a community where that was the case. Like you would have bulls who would for like, God damn it. This is tough. Uh, You would have bulls who were like guaranteed breeders that uh, they would get a cut of these checks to get girls knocked up so that they could get on the system so that they could start milking that government teat and get the free housing, get or the subsidized housing, get the free cell phones, get the, the free food, get all of that stuff. Like this isn't, there is a very specific way to play the game and really win. And so as I go through this article that, that talks about Mississippi. There is, there are some good points. Like for one instance, it talks about uh, how for the state of Mississippi, they're pro-birth, but not so much pro-child. 
which is kind of bullshit. But at the same time, there is an argument to be made. The problem that the article makes is they look to government as the solution. And it goes into uh, a number of different women in the state of Mississippi who have uh, like different organizations that they work with, work for, uh, that take care of people. Uh, a tight group of activists, organizers, and policy experts who work uh, or who come together to provide, in many instances, what the state does not. Born out of necessity, they've formed a unique bridge. They have women's black, uh, black women's roundtable, uh, which helps with uh, equal pay. They deal with maternal health. They deal with uh, all of the different things that a mother needs, especially a mother in an impoverished situation needs. Like these organizations take care of those. So like, like what I come back to is, and then as you could, but then as you continue, like they talk about these different organizations that are helping women who are in these situations that need the help that are helping the children who are in these situations that need the help. But then as you continue to read on, they revert back to that. The problem is Republican lawmakers in the state uh, don't think it's responsible to have more money for these people that they've got all these rules and laws, uh, rules and regulations on the books that make it harder for single mothers that make it harder for people on Medicare that have, uh, cut back on like, uh, Mississippi was one of 11 States that opted out of Obamacare. Uh, there's like a whole bunch of different stuff. And, and they, they act like the state of Mississippi is in this like horribly impoverished state because Republican lawmakers who have been in control for like eight to 10 years or so are going against the federal government and that they've created this situation. It ignores the fact that for a good 25 to 30 years prior to Republicans coming into power back in the, I think it was 2012, maybe uh, 2009, somewhere in that neighborhood. It was 25 to 30 years of Democrat-led state House and state Senate. They would have a Republican governor for the most part, but the House and Senate were Democrat-controlled. And they went with all of the like civil rights era uh, laws and legislation that have actively put two generations of black people in the South under the boot of the government place them solely reliant on the federal and state governments to take care of them in every way. Like it was 
literal decades of democratic policy of putting these communities under the thumb of the government and making them reliant on them that created the situation that Mississippi is in today. Are the, Demo- or are the Republicans doing it right in how they're trying to turn it around? Absolutely not. They're like, they've taken more of a, probably more of a hard line, uh, like neocon type conservative approach than what is probably necessary. But then at the same time, like as shitty as it is, those are the people that keep getting voted back into office over and over again. Uh, So the voting base of the state of Mississippi realized that what was being done wasn't helping things. And it was time to go in a different direction. Is what's being done now fixing things? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I mean, you're eight to 10 years into trying to correct 30 plus years of failure. So, you know, how do you write that ship? Is that ship even writable? And and the thing is that you can look at Louisiana is a prime example of this as well. Like Louisiana is in the same same boat, same position. It's it's really sad the state of affairs of these like because they are not necessarily super poor, but they're mostly agricultural. There aren't there aren't a whole lot of other things there. And as the agricultural industry has become more automated and less uh, labor intensive, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, like a lot of that is kind of gone by the wayside. And also because for literally decades, the government was incentivizing people to not work, to not develop skills, to not develop a trait, to not be a part of the workforce, to rely on the government, to take care of them and to give them the handouts and to be there every step of the way. It's created generations of failure that there's not going to be a good way to get to pull up out of that without just really fucking everybody over for a while which you can't do because if as soon as you do that, then you're a misogynistic, racist, horrible. You just hate, you hate poor people and people of color. And that's all there is to it. you're a white supremacist. That's, that's, but that's what these parts of the country need is not white supremacy. <laughs> they need, they need these programs to end. And for people to be forced to make responsible decisions about their lives. There's uh, so there's a federal program that is commonly used by single mothers to assist. uh, It's a child care certificate program. Over 100,000 Mississippi children should be eligible. But in 2019, which is the most recent year for the data, only 20,900 benefited from the program. 
The program is most commonly used by single mothers, but the state added an additional requirement that single parents have to cooperate with child support enforcement in order to enroll, meaning they have to provide information about the, the children's father so the state can track him down, and many are reluctant to do so. Remember what I said about them bulls? That's not coincidental. They're not reluctant to provide information on the father because they don't know who it is. They're reluctant to provide information on the father because that would fuck up the game that they're playing. These government programs don't help. These government programs are a crutch. What's really sad is that this is the reality for a lot of people. And they don't think there's any way out of that reality. They don't think there's any way to change that. Like, that's the life they've known. And it's a self-perpetuating cycle. They live it because their parents lived it. And their children will fall into it because that's what they saw. It is generations of failure, generations of the government putting these people under their thumb, maintaining control, and not giving them the opportunity to get out. And one of the things that's not to, to derail off of the, the article too terribly much, but like one of the things that, that really hurts a lot of these communities is government regulation is so stringent on it's like small startup businesses. These people can't afford the licensings and the certificates and registrations and all the different things to start up their own business that shouldn't exist to begin with. Like everything about the, the way the government is construed hampers specifically minority communities and impoverished communities. For me, if I want to go start a business, I can just go do it. I come from a good family. Uh, I've tried to take care of myself for the most part. And so I have gone through hard times where I didn't have, you know, didn't have the means for anything. Uh, But that was by choice. That wasn't like, that wasn't something that I was resigned to. I I could have, I, I could have as much money as I need literally tomorrow. And all I have to do is ask, uh, not like, and I don't say that as a brag. That's like, I am very fortunate in that. But the people in these communities, they don't have that. There is no generational wealth. There is only generational poverty. 
And it's been created by a government system that's held them down. So if they do want to go out, they want to branch out, they want to try to do something. There's almost no way for them to do it because at every turn, they're going to get hit with that system that keeps knocking them back and saying, oh, no, don't do that yourself. Let us take care of you. Oh, no, don't start your own business. We got you. We'll give you the money that you need. Oh, no, don't don't try to. Don't try to improve yourself or better your life. Don't make, don't make reasonable and responsible decisions. Just let us handle it for you. And that's what's at the root of all of this. Every time. I do not understand why specifically the black community is so supporting of the Democratic Party when literally generations of democratic policy have put the black community in the position that they're in today. How do they not see it? How do they not see it? I'm sure I offended everybody that I needed to today, and maybe this will get me completely nuked from YouTube. Whatever, YouTube doesn't care about minorities. They only care about coronavirus, so... I'm sure I'm safe. That'll be it for today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you'll check out the new morning show that I'm working with, uh, working with um, co-hosting. It's the morning after with me, Mark Metz, Clyde of the South. And if we can get him to wake up, Joseph McGee, who sued the state of Arizona for mass mandates, our uh, lockdowns. So we had a had our Black Friday pilot episode. We talked about how to or uh, deprogramming your family on Thanksgiving and um, cultural no not cultural appropriation colonization of Thanksgiving and ranked our Thanksgiving foods must haves and uh, turkeys overrated the difference between dressing and stuffing. So it was a fun, fun little venture. And we're going to do that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern in the morning because they're, this is actually a morning program. It's not not labeled in as a morning program, but we have recorded in the evenings or afternoons. So we're actually doing a morning show. And we're doing it live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central, and then whatever times for Mountain and Pacific, you can do the math on that. In the meantime, hope everybody has a good rest of your day. I will be back on Wednesday to talk about God only knows what, see what article I happen to click on, and we'll go from there. Um, yeah, have a good one. Later.